0: Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast, a general practice podcast brought to you by Menlo Park Recruitment. Illuminating Primary Care is here to quiz primary care leaders to offer professional knowledge, experience and insight on the biggest topics in general practice. It's the podcast to listen to if you work in primary care. Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Illuminating Primary Care podcast featuring Tara Humphrey. I'm your host Jasmine Cole. Now I'm joined by Tara who is a primary care network management specialist, also the founder and the managing director of the THC Primary Care, a leading healthcare consultancy. Now Tara has 20 years of experience in business development and operations and has supported over 30 primary care networks. Uh, They're providing them with training and management support. Tara has also created and hosts her award-winning business of healthcare podcast awarded number three best non-clinical podcast what an achievement um, so yeah thank you for joining me today tara
2: my pleasure thank you for asking me
1: no worries right so what i'm going to do before we get to the you know top tips for pcn struggling to recruit um what i'd like to do is just run through a few questions and really get your guess your insight in terms of pcns and what it's like recruiting at the moment so Why do you think PCNs are struggling to recruit currently, Tara?
2: I don't know if all PCNs are struggling to recruit. I think sometimes it depends on your location. So if you're more in a rural area, um, that may be hard to recruit. But obviously, it is challenging. I think the pool of people in certain roles is quite limited. I think that there there is constraints on who we can recruit to, And I think a really good example is like the care coordinator. The the title of that job description may not appeal to somebody, even though that they could do the job. So I think it's a multitude of things. I also think it's a lack of clarity regarding what networks need. I think they somebody will ask for a generic job description and just pop that, you know, like everybody's using the same generic job description. And if that job description is not well thought through, I say to people, you know, like it's an employee's market. Employees are, I think due to the pandemic, they're a hot commodity. They know what they want. They know they're they're, they just, they're very clear in what they want. People approach me and say, this is what I do. I want to work this many hours, I want to work from home, I want X, Y and Z and I want training time. And I think they're savvy and if the network can't offer them offer them that, they will go elsewhere. So I think that due to the number of people, the lack of clarity from the network and the what the network can offer all ties into why it's difficult to recruit and also the time to recruit, to do it properly. People think, you know, I suppose A lot of networks think recruitment is generic job description. We'll just pop that up onto NHS jobs. Yeah. But it's, it's, you know, there are whole industries around, you know, like recruiting and where to target and being creative with your recruitment. So I think it's, it's not just one thing. It's a multitude of things.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely agree. And, you know, it doesn't come down to that, that one element or, you know, like you said, it's a number of factors. Um, Perfect. Now, when speaking to PCNs myself, um, many have shared similar concerns and experiences of struggling to retain staff. So, although they've gone through the recruitment process, they you know, might recruit someone, they find, find it hard to retain their staff. So, do you think there is a common theme amongst PCNs and why they are struggling to keep, keep the staff?
2: I think, in our experience, there's been a lack of clarity. It, it starts before they recruit. So they've got this job description, which they've asked for somebody else. What have you put in yours? They put the same in. They haven't had the universal buy-in from the network. So there is this urgent need to use the R's money or lose it. And I do understand that it's a fantastic opportunity, but if you're not clear on the role, you recruit a role and then they start and it's like, oh, what are we going to what we're going to do with them, who's going to line manage them, how will we know if this role is a success? And I think there's this like, I call it like clash of cultures. There is the role wants to be, there is, you want, the role wants to be autonomous. The network really values presenteeism. You know, they, you know, if there is space for them, they want them sitting in the surgery. Um, But not everybody wants to do that. And I also think, you know, the role wants training, but then it, then the role wants them to be autonomous. The role just wants them to be able to get in, start and do exactly what they would want to do without really the infrastructure to enable that role to succeed. So after a while and a short while, you know, I feel like employees or employers and we do this at THC or I've done this unintentionally, you know, like you promise them all these things because you generally yeah. think at the time. Yes, you absolutely can progress super quickly. And every time you do a course, you'll get reimbursed for it. And then and the reality is, it's like, oh no, you know, like that's not the case. So I think sometimes primary care networks overpromise. And then the role thinks quite quickly. You you said when I completed my CPP pathway and I became prescribing, I would move up to a band 8A. And actually, the network's gone, we can only have one 8A or we don't have the funding for that so I think it's a mismanagement of expectations a lack of clarity a lack of support you know some people have said to me I went in to do like a PCN audit and I've said like what are the strengths weaknesses opportunities threats of the network and they said one of the weaknesses like no one says hello to me like people don't even say hello to me or if they do go into the surgery they're kind of forced to come into the surgery but there's nowhere for them to sit
1: Wow.
2: or they'll go into the staff room and people say who are you and those little things over time make you feel like not very valued. Do you think, why am I the money's not worth it, I can go somewhere else. So I think it's the culture of the network, the way the role has been introduced to the network, the support, people saying hello, the training and the manager like performance management and not in a bad way, in a good way. So you know when I do X, Y, and Z, this this is how I know I'm on track, but sometimes you're just left and you don't know. And I think sometimes you can get in your own head. Am I doing a good job? Do they want me? You spend too much time on your own. It's not good for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, it is a clash of cultures. When speaking with with candidates myself, um, quite similar in the sense that, you know, they go in, but they're probably at five different practices a week and they don't feel like they have a primary hub or that they, they see new faces every single week. Um, so, yeah, I think it is that support. And I think it's an investment of time, really. Um, yeah. Maybe transparency from, from the offset. Um, perfect. Now, just going on to kind of my third question is, um, again, when I work with a lot of PCNs, and um, I think you've mentioned it briefly, a lot of them are unaware of certain eye health roles. You know, I think now there's quite a few new introductions. Um, do you think this contributes as to why PCNs probably find it difficult to recruit? For example, a role such as a digital and transformation lead or a GP assistant? Do you think there is that that lack of clarity and that contributes to recruitment and retaining staff?
2: I think with those two roles, I mean, they're really new. I do think that G some, I do think the GP assistant is a little bit more easy to understand. There is quite a clear job description. There is a training pathway. It's whether there are people out there that want to do that role. And the digital and transformation lead. I did think, oh, don't get me started. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Um, Not in a bad way it just can mean so many things to so, you know, like to so many different people. So again, that is, I think I can't speak to that role because it's only really just been introduced. I was on NHS futures and somebody did post, I'm, I'm a a newly, you know, employed digital transformation. Is there anybody out there? And there was this flood of people. So I think the jury's out on that one because it is so new. I think with the other roles, like having a dietitian and things like that into your network. I think networks, d- depend, certain networks, really struggle with that because they are looking for they want not all of them, but they're looking to you know like increase the capacity or reduce the capacity on certain on GPs and on the nursing workforce. And sometimes those other roles, allied you know, health professional roles, are more. They may go into proactive care and more holistic care and they may not save that 10 minute GP appointment, but in the long run, those roles are super, super valuable. So in I, in I soon I won't need to go to, I've, I've recently hurt my shoulder. I don't need to go to a doctor for that. I can go and see um, a first contact f- physiotherapist. And um, so I think it's networks are still learning and yes, that can hinder recruitment and yeah, make retention really hard because if you're not clear, it doesn't matter if you're trying to recruit or not, you know, like in life, if you're not clear, yeah. you're never going to get the outcome that you would have expected.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, like, like you said, I think potentially it's, you know, PCNs and practices are looking at that short term and a quick win. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, with those newer roles, it's probably hard to see that in the first instance. But yeah, it's looking at it long term or what it can yeah. do in the future, really. Um. Perfect. Now, when it comes to roles such as clinical pharmacists, physician associates, I think they're becoming more popular, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely on the rise. So recruited them quite successfully. Um, Do you think there's any kind of reasons to why? Do you think, again, it links back to reducing the GP appointment times? Um, And I guess very similar to my previous question, um, when it comes to roles such as your first contact physios, your pharmacy techs, your dieticians, do you think it is to do with them not being able to reduce the workload immediately from the GP so why do you think it's easier to recruit your PAs and your pharmacists?
2: It's oh, really interesting I'd say my experience has been really hard to recruit PAs pharmacists oh. yes I feel like general practices understand what a pharmacist can do um, absolutely I think pharmacy techs in our experience they've been a bit like well, what does a pharmacy tech do but pharmacist like super valuable I feel like I don't think I would, but if THC ever want to expand their business, like I know what to do with a pharmacist, like yeah. hands down. And our networks really, really love them. So I think that they've just had a longer run up because practices had pharmacists before, not all of them, but that wasn't brand a brand new innovation to general practice. Pharmacists have been in practice before the PCN existed. Um, the CPP pathway has been super valuable. And I think it just having a just having a clinical lead which understands and it's happy to mentor and develop, you know, like the first role is the hardest and then it gets easier and easier and easier because you know what you need, you know what you want, you kind of learn from mistakes. So I think the pharmacist in our experience has been super easy to recruit to. And even if we can't recruit directly, recruitment agents or agencies have been super helpful in that respect. Again with first contact physios. But I did have a difficult experience with in one network where they just didn't see the value. And I think that the lesson learned was how we, you know, like presented the offer to the network and how we onboarded the role. And I think they, they, in business, we talk about, um, higher, you know, hire slow, fire, fast, but I think you hire slow and you onboard slowly. And I think you mentioned it having, you know, like one role spread across eight practices Mm. I sounds ridiculous, but at the beginning, that seemed like that's what you do. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah. why are we doing like, of course, we speak to those people, and they're like frazzled, like, why would you do that? So yeah. I think it just goes, sorry to keep repeating myself. I think no. having a clinical lead that gets it. So if you think, what is the need? What is our population need? What is the need in our practice? Who can really support and mentor these roles? Um, it makes it easier to recruit because that clinical lead knows what they're looking for and they can be very, very honest. I don't know if I've answered your question. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Um, I think it was just differentiating between the different roles, why it's easier to recruit some more than others, really, in PCNs. But I think, like you said, it boils down to that early intervention and having a, like, almost a set plan in terms of what you're looking yeah. for. Um, and again, it boils down to transparency and and good communication between PCNs and what they're looking for um so no
2: I would also add to that like don't underestimate word of mouth so if you've got one role brand new role if you've got one dietitian that's having a really good experience it's likely that that person will know other dietitians so I think don't some areas find it easy to recruit because when you've got it right once they will shout to the rooftops like I'm enjoying my job and actually there could be an opportunity to you know like I'll speak to my clinical director I'm really busy maybe we could have another one so I think some people find it easier when it's working well and there's, there's that you don't need an HS jobs I mean you can you still put it out there but it is that word of mouth that really travels far
1: yeah absolutely um perfect and what would you say I guess to round it all off are your top Kind of five quick fire tips for PCN struggling to recruit. Kind of what would you say are the main things to look out for? Or yeah, your top five tips.
2: I think my top five tips would be to bring together your current Rs workforce and ask them either what are the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, or threats of the network, or I would ask them what is currently working well and what would be even better if, and use the data to help inform your, your kind of next recruitment drive um that's kind of a few tips in there yeah Um, I would create a 90-day plan I love a 90-day plan I think recruiting is not just creating the job description and putting it up on NHS jobs that's part of it but if you can with the digital and transformation lead I created a job description and within that job description I'd even created a 90-day plan like when you very first start this is what's going to be expected of you so create the induction plan before you've hired the role, because that will help you with the clarity around what are they going to do? So somebody looks at that job description and will go, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, and that's that, you know, that's the roles and responsibilities. And actually, they've even got a plan for me. So that has been super effective. I would really ask, and this goes back to the data that your current workforce share will share with you is think really honestly about what can our network provide to you and what it can't. So if you cannot accommodate people to work from home, don't say, oh, we offer flexible working. Yeah. If you've got the space and you want them sat in your seat, sat, sat in practice or spread across a few practice, just be straight up and honest. If you want somebody to work from home, knowing that it can be quite isolating, how can you support them? be really 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 clear on that you've got a few options and think actually if we just we don't have the time and we don't have very good support we just want somebody to come in do the job um an agency might be quite good for that but actually if you want to cultivate your team that's where you think about employing and I would think very creatively so we recently at THC use video and I was like, hi, I'm Tara. This is what we're recruiting for. We're a small organization. This is what I can give you. This is the plan. This is the culture of the organization. We don't just want somebody that wants a job. We want somebody that is interested in working with us uh, long term. We really p- value professional development. And I was like, if all of this sounds to you like, oh, my God. You know, like, don't apply. And we, we also asked them to submit a video. So we shrunk down our pool of people. Because we know that loads of people do not want to record a video when they're applying for a job, but yeah. we want the people that do. So be really, really specific and don't be frightened. Um, you don't need lots of people. You just need a few good ones. So like, hang, like, hang on, um, hold tight, but market your PCNs. It's very competitive. Like give your PCN a face, have a website and um, have a social media presence. And someone said to me, always be recruiting always but even if you've got a full complement of staff you always want to say we are open to applications for these certain roles submit your cover letter and when the opportunity just submit yeah submit your submit your cv submit your cover letter uh, because we are a growing network
1: yeah brilliant that's fantastic i think as you mentioned the induction absolutely crucial I can just say from experience you know you have to set the foundation and it has to be right and you know if you haven't got a good induction plan um yeah likelihood is you're going to lose your staff but I love your interactive approach to recruiting as well and using the videos I think it's uh, I think nowadays it's it's looking at a different way um but like I said it it is exceptionally difficult to recruit so it's definitely narrowing that that pool of candidates so yeah really love that Mm -hmm. um And I guess the last question, Tara, um, is what do you think the future holds for PCNs? (laughs) So Uh,
2: this is the question everyone wants to know. Well, not from me, but just we all want to know. Yeah, I I think I've put down more work. I don't think primary care networks are going anywhere. And I think I can see a future with primary care networks which incorporate multiple integrated neighbourhood teams. So you might have an integrated neighbourhood team looking at diabetes or, um, you know, like cancer care coordination. So I don't, I don't know what a, an integrated neighbourhood team that would be all encompassing of absolutely everything would look like. But I think you've got your primary care network, and then depending on your health population healthcare needs, you will have um, more integrated teams to be able to for you to support those patients as they move through the system. So I think it's just I can't see NHS England going. Do you know what primary care sorted? We don't need any more interventions, you know, like we can all just sit stay where we are. I think it'll be ever evolving. Um, but I think there's more work and I think if it's not called primary care networks, it will be called something else. Yeah, that that's my I don't know if I'm naive. I don't know. No, I think that's what I think.
1: Yeah no you're right I think I completely agree is that I don't think we you know PCNs are going anywhere I think you know it's trial and error it's going to be a learning process but I think you know practices you know even patients are seeing the benefits that primary care network can bring and yes there's a lot of changes to be made or improvements etc etc but like you said I think it's um it's going to be a long process but I think you know we're here to stay PCNs are um Mm -hmm. Finger, yeah, fingers Yeah, crossed. I hope um, so. I just think if,
2: <laughs> if they're not, delete this podcast, delete this bit. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, worries. no, that's absolutely fine. Um, perfect. I think that's um, that's pretty much everything. So, I do appreciate, yeah, you coming on board and uh, joining our podcast and going through that. Um, so yeah, quite a, a, yeah, looking forward to this episode, really. But yeah, thank you very much for your time, then, Tara.
2: My pleasure
0: you've been listening to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you're a practice looking to recruit permanent clinicians, such as GPs, nurses or allied health staff, please get in touch at menloparkrecruitment.com or email james at menloparkrecruitment.com. For daily primary care news, please follow Menlo Park Recruitment on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast.